Father, we just want to thank you this evening, Father, for your goodness. Once again, what a privilege and what an honor to be found in your house this this evening time. Another opportunity, Father, this beginning of this new year, Lord, you've given us an opportunity to come together. And Lord, even as we meditate upon your word this evening, speak to our hearts, anoint us, that we may hear and that we may speak and that we may obey, Lord. Father, enable us to make course corrections, enable us to be encouraged and be exhorted. Give us open ears to hear any rebuke or word of correction. But in all, O Lord Jesus, use us, sanctify us and set us apart as holy vessels so that we'll be ready for the master's use prepared for every good work. To that end, I pray that you would bless the speaking and the hearing of this word. Uh, even remember your servant, Lord, even as he's ministering. I pray, Lord Jesus, your, your anointing would rest over your servant. This coming days, Lord, use him mightily, O Lord. And let there be a harvest of souls, O Lord, Father, in your kingdom. Thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in the beginning of another year. Still in the single digit days. It's still the ninth day. Nine days, oh, almost over. And found in the house of the Lord. So we'll just revisit the promise this evening that we have received uh, and we will proceed into the meat of today's message. So be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former, former rain faithfully and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. So we're still here in the first month, right? We're still here. So we still believe that God can and God will. Uh, he will, by the way. Uh, he's, he is a God who, uh, uh, he, he never lies. So if he has promised something, it all depends upon how we believe and receive what God has uh, for us. And therefore, uh, don't take anything, any of these things lightly. And even as we prepare ourselves this year, uh, of course, as a church, we are in the 11th year, the year of destiny. We're in the second part of the 11th year. It's good that we have two new years every year. One new year, according to the calendar, and according to our anniversary. So, um, today I just wanted to look at um, one important aspect of, of what hinders us from receiving the promises of God. What hinders us? Okay. Uh, and if, if I were to, I mean, I, I'm sure most of us know it. The answer is very simple. The answer is unbelief. Okay. The answer is unbelief. Okay. There is faith and there is unbelief. We know that, right? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please God. But anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of all those who seek him diligently. Okay, so you see, you need to understand, you need to come back to the basics. Okay, um, you, you see, I'll tell you something, you know, if, if like we heard on Sunday, pastor was talking about the leaning tower of Pisa, right, or Wednesday or Sunday, I'm not sure which, which message exactly. And he was talking about that is one construction which can never be corrected. It's impossible. And even if you try to correct it, we lose it. It's gone. Yeah? So it's just hanging in there. I don't know for how long, under, under the influence of gravity. So, and foundations, and if you make errors in your life, it's very difficult to correct them. 
And if you just go on and on in your life, uh, and if you make made errors, like it's like just an arithmetic problem, right? Uh, you make an error in the unit's position. The effect can be seen in the crores and the 10 crores position also. Okay, one crore could be a difference or 100 crores could be a difference just because you made one error in the unit's position. You can do all the other arithmetic pro- perfectly, but if you have made error in the first place, gone. The whole whole um, sum or the arithmetic problem goes wrong, right? So this is so important for us. And it's very difficult, by the way, to correct things. It's not easy to correct problems, issues. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably in the... in. In, 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 uh, not, not, not in high school. I was still in primary class. I think it was in class four or class three, grade three or grade four. It was possibly Abigail's age. Uh, we had, uh, uh, we had to, I mean, we, were, we had an English uh, exam and, you know, we, those days we had to make notes like you. A teacher would give question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And what happened was that particular year in the primary class, the teacher started dictating notes just to influence us. Yeah, my dad already knows. He's preempting what I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> He's looking at me. Okay. So we had to, they used to dictate notes and, 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 uh, and in, during the process, I mean, it was new for all of us. And so I was, I think, dictation only. And I wrote one question and I also wrote the answer in the course of the answer that I made a statement. Uh, at the end of the answer it says, and the little dog do. And I was memorizing it and my dad was trying to look at it and he looked at it and he said, he looked at the answer and said, Vijay, what does this the little dog do? He, he, I mean, come on, third grade three, you know, not easy to, I mean, not difficult to correct. So he went to the, uh, to the, to the prose lesson, he read through the lesson and he looked at the answer and he said, it's not the little dog do. And he corrected the answer and he made me write it in his own words and that correction was done. But I already memorized it as the little dog do. Okay, and I went to the exam, and guess what I wrote in the exam? Of all the questions, that question appeared. And what did I write? The little doubt do. You see, it's very, very difficult to correct. You know, that is the reason why he says, old habits die hard. Yeah, uh, some one man of God made a very interesting observation. In habit, if you take off the H, you have a bit. If you take off the A, you have bit. If you take off the B, you have it. It's very difficult to make course corrections. And therefore, so that is the reason why in Psalm 11 verse 3 it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And one of the things that we need to always go back to, and that that lesson I learned in my life, you know, the foundations, the fundamentals have to be strong. You know, one there was one coach, I was listening to one preacher in the morning, and you know, he was talking about this football, I mean basketball coach, about this famous basketball player, and he became very famous, and... uh, in one of his interviews, he was asked this question, uh, do you know of any coach, uh, you, I mean, who's the best coach with, with whom you worked with? And he mentioned a particular coach back in his university days and college days. And he said, why do you like this coach? And he, he related this incident in his life. He said, this coach, one day he called us to his, he was, just, he was newly appointed and he called us to the gymnasium and he asked us all these uh, almost pro basketball players to stand in a circle. And this guy was a very talented fellow. He said, I'm not going to stand in a circle. But, you know, he said, if you don't stand in a circle, you're out of the team. So he he stood in a circle. And then he said, sit down. So all of them sat down. And then he said, take off your shoes and your socks. And he's like, what? 
I'm not going to take off my shoes and my socks. But he says, if you don't take off your shoes and your socks, you're out of the team. So he took off his shoes and his socks. And then he said, I'm going to teach you today how to put on your socks and to tie your lace so that you will never get a blister on your foot. Okay. Never get a blister on your foot. And this man grows up to be a pro basketball player. And he says, I'll never forget that coach. And what did you like about that coach? Strong in his fundamentals. And how do you tie your laces now? Just as he taught me. So that I'll never get a blister on my foot. And there was another, another, another pro basketball team, which is, I mean, football team, you know, which lost its <laughs> match. The coach brought them back to the gymnasium, to the, to the team. And, and he said, you know what? We need to get back to the basics, guys. He took the ball. Team! This is a football. Imagine telling a pro basketball football team, this is a football. Uh, telling a mathematician, one plus one is equal to two. Getting back to the basics. You need to get back to the basics. Fundamentals are very strong, very, very important. Okay, And one of the fundamentals, and I, I met my mentor, I'm going to come back to him over and over again during the course of my message. You know, one of the things he told me, he said, Vijay, there are four fundamentals, repentance, faith, baptism in water, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Unless you fire on these four cylinders, you haven't started your Christian life. The four fundamentals, repentance, faith, and one of the pillars is faith. And without faith, it is what? Impossible. Okay, so we need to get back to our basics, get back to the fundamentals and strengthen them, okay? So we'll look at one of the fundamentals we'll keep on repeating in our church so that they become a part of our life. That is the reason why repetition is important. So First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, what does it say? For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. I like that word, welcomed it. Say welcome. Okay, welcome the word of God. Okay, welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in all those who believe. You see, the word is to believe. Effectively works. The word effectively work is, comes from the Greek word energy, energo, which from which we word, get the word energize. It's an action. You know, the, unless you believe the word of God is not in action in your life. See, that is the reason why it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, uh, the word of God did not profit them, the message did not profit them, because they were, they did not mix it with faith. They were not united with faith. You see that? For we who believed enter into that rest. Okay? Another place in uh, Luke's gospel chapter 5, Jesus was teaching. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching, and this was not a Sabbath day. As he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, and they were all taking notes like many of you. And it's very interesting. It says, uh, we're sitting by, by and uh, who had come from every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And what was, what was there? They were, he was teaching. And what was there? The power of the Lord was present. You see that? So you see, even as we are teaching here, uh, what I believe is there's a power of God which is present to heal us. And it will work in your life if you believe. And one of the sins, as we mentioned in our church over and over again, is one of the sins that we don't Repent of, you know, most often is the sin of unbelief. First of all, how many of you know that unbelief is sin? You see, nobody even knows that unbelief is sin. 
If I were to tell you, can you quote from scripture, what is that one verse which says, unbelief is sin? And there's one sin God hates big time. It says, they could not enter in because of unbelief. What was unbelief? It was a sin. But where does it precisely say in the Bible that unbelief is sin? I want to show you that verse. You know, I discovered it in my course of my study. Um, <clears throat> look at what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 8 to 9. We know this very well. And we miss the point. Some familiar verses sometimes teach you certain things which are, which are, which we miss. So therefore we need to uh, read it carefully. John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. And when he had come, that is the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And you look at the next verse. And of sin because they, ah, of sin because they did not believe in me. Unbelief is sin. And one of the sins that we most often, today I was, I wanted to title this, I think I will, I'm going to title today's message as unbelievable unbelief. It's true. Unbelievable unbelief. <clears throat> I'm going to look at one passage from the scriptures before, before I go there. I want to look at another scripture. Look at this. This is found in Mark's gospel chapter 6 verses 1 onwards. Then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things and what wisdom is this by which, uh, is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon and are not his sisters here with us? So they were what? Offended. And look at the next verse. But Jesus said to him, said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among uh, his own relatives. Okay? And then he says, and he he could not heal, I mean, he could not do any mighty works except laying a few ha- uh, hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he what? Marveled them. Marveled because of their unbelief. Unbelievable unbelief. Shocked. See, unbelief is a force. You need to understand. It's a force. It's just not a state of mind. It is a force which resists the work of God in our lives. And we have a fantastic promise spoken over our lives this year. And every one of you has been given a personal promise. And every one of your personal promise is connected to the corporate promise. I believe that with all of my heart. Mine is 84.5. Psalm 84.5. And everybody has their own specific promise. Yeah? And every promise is connected with the promise that God has given us. How to appropriate the promise that God has spoken over our lives. And the only thing which will stop the promise from working in our lives is unbelief. And we need to understand how does this unbelief as a force work in our lives? And how do we overcome it? It has, you know, this is one sin which is mundi, stubborn, stiff-necked, will not go easily. And it appears in different, different ways. It's very subtle. Sin by default is very subtle. It doesn't show itself to be sin. Right? That is the reason why it says, sin is what? Crouching at your door. Right? That's what it says in Genesis chapter 4. It's unbelievable unbelief. And they were offended at him. You see that? They were offended. And you see, offense and unbelief go together. So, without faith it is impossible to please God. 
So today I want to look at a very interesting passage. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 7. I'm going to read through the passage. and Let's see unbelief. And we know one of the very famous passages is uh, Numbers chapter 14, right? 13 and 14 where the children of Israel are not able to enter into the promised land and they don't enter it because of unbelief. We know that. But I'm going to look at another passage which possibly is not very familiar. But I'm going to show you something very interesting. And let's read this. This is found in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 onwards. Then Elisha said, this is Elisha, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour, flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. That is the promise. And that is one of the, I mean, it's very similar to the promise that we received. Promise. By the first month, what are we going to receive? The farm, the farmer and the latter rain together. Do you believe that? That's, that's a word spoken over our lives. And you see, the moment a promise is spoken over our lives, the devil is always close by trying to negate the truth in our lives. Verse 2. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, What did he say? Look, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven, could this thing be? Answer. I mean, it's not, it's impossible. And he said, that is the man of God, Elisha said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not. My God, look at the promise. The promise is that by this time, there will be a plenty in your land. One guy said, it's not possible. You know what the man of God said? You will see it with your eyes, but you will not take part of it. You know, this is a very solemn warning for all of us. There's a promise spoken over our lives as a church. And some people will say, I don't know. I'm too messed up. God can deal with everybody. Impossible case is me. You know what will happen? It will work for Everybody and you will see it and it will not happen in your life. Do you want that happen, that to happen for you? You see, that's the most important thing for us to understand. Boss, you know, God is very serious. He is very, very serious. He is not a man that he should lie. Not as a son, not the son of man that he should repent. Okay, so, you know, familiarity with the word is very, very dangerous. Familiarity, because we get too familiar with the word, no? You know, like we have, in our, we have a Christian school. We have Christian teachers. We have Christian songs. We have Christian rhymes. We have Christian stories. We have Christian desks. Christian projector. Christian water. Everything. Christian, meaning sanctified. And my children can look at it and they say, ah, that's okay. One of the constant prayers for Justin and I, Lord, save them from familiarity. Let, let us never lose reverence for God's word. And it can't happen in our church. Like pastor was talking about, you know, with too much of light can blind you. <laughs> 
that you cannot see. You see? So important. You can be familiar over and over and over again. The same verse keeps on coming. Ah, I heard it. Been there, done that. You know what will happen? 2018 and 2019, no difference. In fact, 2019 could be worse. Okay. So let us, let us never take anything for granted. Okay, in our lives, familiarity with the word, so many things we looked at, looked at it over and over and over again. Let them not become familiar. Okay. So, in fact, you will see it happen, but you will not experience it. You will see it. You know, one man of God made a powerful statement, no? In heaven, there will be tremendous amount of joy first. And after that, there will be tremendous amount of regret. I think Pastor James said that. One man of God, Pastor James, I'm hearing so many people. Okay. Yeah, Pastor. You know, first of all, there will be tremendous joy. Finally, <laughs> we made it, Baba. <laughs> reached. Okay. You escaped hell, reached here. And, and later on, there will be regret. You know why? There will be crowns. On people's heads with your name on it. That is the reason why in Revelation to one of the churches he says, Be careful, let no one steal your crown, Baba. There's a crown for you. There's a specific crown for every one of us with your name written on it. Dane Dane Kane Wale Kanam. But in the heaven, it need not be yours. Okay. So be very careful. It can happen. And because you shortened the hand of God in your life, therefore we should battle this. We should battle this. And let's move on. So how does God's deliverance start? You know, this is, you know, this is, this passage is very close to my heart, particularly because some of the recent experiences that I had. Second Corinthians chapter, uh, second Kings chapter seven and verse three onwards. Now there were four leprous men. You know, that is, Remarkable. Remarkable. No, this I just recently we went to the how many of you came to the leprosy colony with us? Anybody here? Yeah. So you know, one of the things that we look at them and it's constant thing, so sad. So I mean that's what the that's what that, that was the constant, you know, groaning in our lives, you know. Nitturpu is that is the word in Telugu. No, oh shucks, it's so sad, so sad, so sad. And then when the pastor was telling us, no, uh, I, I hope I mean if you should have informed us uh, well ahead of time, we could have asked all of them to stay stay back. And you know, he said at least twenty people have gone begging. No, it was really, really sad. But think about this, no? How does God's, God's deliverance start? It starts with four leprous men at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? And so on. We are all leprous. How do I know that? Leviticus chapter 13 verse 45. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare and he shall cover his moustache and cry what? Unclean, unclean. You see that? You've seen, you've seen Ben-Hur? How many of you have seen the movie Ben-Hur? Yeah. You've seen that place? Unclean, unclean. The outcast of the society. Physical. You see what what, what we see in the physical is what we are in the spiritual. 
See? Okay. What we see in the physical is what we are actually in the spiritual. And look at what it says in uh, Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. But we are all as a unclean thing. We are the same thing. Leprous inside. And all are, can we read this? And all are, uh uh-uh, you didn't read it properly. All are righteous. Righteousnesses. Hey, you see that? It doesn't say righteousness. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, uh, when I typed this on my uh, word pad, I mean, my, on my PPT, this was a spell check. It's not available in the dictionary. But that's exactly how it is rendered in the Hebrew. All your righteousnesses. Different kinds. All the way that you try to approach God. Absolutely unclean. I mean, I don't want to name, mention what that unclean is. Filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You see, it all starts with four leprous people. In other words, in our lives, the promise of God will start when we have acknowledged that we are absolutely unclean. Unless God touches us, we will remain unclean. That is the reason why Jesus said, no, it's the sick who need a physician. You know, sarcastically. It's a sick who need the physician and I have come not to save the righteous, but to save the sinners. Sarcastic. And one of the things we need to all realize, you know, when we look at that, when we look at I mean, leprosy, of course, is just an outward symbol, no? When we look at that, when we look at our own hearts, do we see uncleanness in our own lives? And that is the reason why it's beautiful, no? When after Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, 7 of Matthew, he comes down the mountain. And Matthew chapter 8, you know how it starts? There's a man who is leprous. He says, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And you know what Jesus does? He touches him first. He touches him and says, I am willing, be thou clean. First, it starts off with an acknowledgement that we all are people absolutely unclean before God. All are, you know, all are righteousnesses. We never trust, you know, one of the things you need to understand, don't trust in the failures of 2018 and don't even trust in the success of 2018. Of definitely you should have had success. You know, it's very interesting, right? Every time you succeed, the common question people ask is what? Huh? What is? Anybody? Okay, for example, you got um, high, very high marks in 10th class. What? Class topper, let's say. Hmm? Hepsi, Hepsiba, class topper. So what? Very good. So what, are the, what is the next question they'll ask? What are your next plans? It's already gone. It's very interesting. What are you, what are you planning next? Next entity? After you achieve that, next entity? I mean, every time a, a success, you know, a success meet happens, uh, Rafa Nadal is asked this question. He finishes his 11th Grand Slam, French Grand Slam. Okay, what are your plans for Wimbledon? I've just just won this tournament. Let me enjoy this tournament. Let me enjoy this. We'll look at the... That's what Ravi Shastri was saying, right? 
after they won the Australian tour. You know what he was saying? Past is history. Future is mystery. I am living in the <laughs> present. Okay, so don't ask me what is next. But you know something? Every time we have success or failures, we say forgetting those which are past. You know, we're easy to forget the failures, but very difficult to forget the successes. 2018, you might be having some some successes. God might have given you some breakthroughs, but don't get stuck there because God is moving on. Don't trust in your past successes. That was only the grace of God. We are all vessels who are unclean. Start from the fundamentals again. And God will start delivering. The deliverance process starts. Let's move on. Let's look at this verse again. So there were four leprous people at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die. And if we sit here, we die. And now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die, 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 die. What it tells me is this. Death is certain for all of us. It can happen any moment. I think Pastor James was preaching, right? Last Sunday. If God is willing and I'm alive, I will come for your meeting. <laughs> okay. If God is willing, I'm alive, I will come for your meeting. If it is the will of God. Okay. Otherwise, or rather, rapture does not take place. Hmm? I remember one one couple old times, no, uh, his, we were in Tolichoki, but they were our neighbors, our church members, neighbors, okay. And husband came from the office and he went inside and hid himself in the, in the kitchen or in the, in the washroom. And the wife was there. She heard the husband coming and she was calling her husband out and he was not answering, just playing with his wife. And she was searching and searching and searching. And she was a Tamilian. She said, cello, cello, cello. I don't know what cello means. It's not cello. It's uh, cello. And uh, she was not answering. And she said, you know what? I thought rapture took place. (laughs) And I was left behind. Okay. So it's quite possible. Very probable. Okay. So one one thing is certain. We shall all die. If we stay here, we will die. So that is very interesting, you know, that Jesus says in John's Gospel chapter 6, don't labor for the food that perishes, but labor for the food that endures unto eternal life. It's very interesting, right? You keep eating, and with all your eating, one day you will die. And what what are you doing with all your eating? You want to preserve yourself, and sometimes before you die, you know, you know what it is called? It is called the dash meal, the last meal. And with the last meal, it is certain you will die. And if you are diabetic, if you eat well, you will die. You see, so this, so with all our eating, there is one thing which is absolutely certain we will die. Okay. That is what the leprous people <laughs> understood. You see, if you are a humble man, and if you understand that you are without God an unclean thing, one thing you will Acknowledge, Lord, without you, I am as good as what? Dead. That is the reason why Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 will say, And as it is appointed for men to, how many times? No, Purna Janma, Purva Janma, Sampurna Janma nahi hai. Eki Janma. Okay? Janma Janma la bandham ledu. 
ఈ జన్మ ఇలా ఏడిచింది ఇంకా జన్మ జన్మల బంధం లేదు బాబు ఓకే సో దిస్ జన్మ దిస్ ఇస్ ఓన్లీ వన్ జన్మ ఓకే దిస్ వన్ ఫేమస్ పోయట్ క్రిస్టియన్ పోయట్ హమీ ఇఫ్ యూ హర్డ్ దిస్ నేమ్ సిటీ స్టడ్ లుక్ అట్ వాట్ ఈ సేస్ టూ లిటిల్ లైన్స్ ఐ హర్డ్ వన్ డే ట్రావెలింగ్ అలాంగ్ లైఫ్ బిజీ వే bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart only one life it will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last only one life yes only one <laughs> soon will its fleeting hours be done then in that day my lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat only one life it will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last only one life the still small voice we heard about the whisperer right last week last last wednesday only one life the still still small voice gently pleads for a better choice bidding me selfish aims to leave and to god's holy will to cleave only one life it will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last give me father a purpose deep enjoy or sorrow thy word to keep faithful and true whatever the strife pleasing thee in all in my daily life only one life it will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last and one what of what many people will, will will say it is too risky 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 it's too risky don't don't take risks come back to that john's gospel chapter 8 verse 21 so he said to them again i am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin where where i am going you cannot come I told you that you will die in your sins unless you believe. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? He's going to take care of your sin and he's going to use you to do his will in your life. Death is guaranteed for all of us. Only one life. Chuck Smith made a fantastic statement. Look at what he says. All a sinner has to do to die is nothing. you will die in your sin doing nothing guaranteed where to help you see i mean that is the reason why aw tozer says you know i don't understand how people can be happy knowing that one day they will end up in hell you know it's interesting right we watch a lot of comedy shows and comedy movies you're going on the way to hell on the way to hell imax is there we go to imax we watch a brahmananda movie a laugh <laughs> and come out back on the way to hell with a nice laugh laughing all the way to hell we are all people very well entertained on the way to hell one life and you know something this life you say you know what 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 people will say don't give it to god it is too risky 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 too much of risk is involved as if there are no risks anywhere else too risky you see esther chapter 4 you know this is a very interesting uh, episode in the life of esther hatak went back and reported to esther what mordecai had said then she instructed him to say this is after mordecai realizes that there's a there's a there's a uh, there's an order against the jews to kill all the jews right he realizes that and he gives a sends a message to esther So Esther Hatag went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said and she instructed him to say to Mordecai all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in a inner court without being summoned the king has but one law what is that one law that he be put to 
death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I called to go to the king. I was, I was called to go to the king. Meaning she's saying, it's not possible for me to go now. It's too, what? It's too risky. It's too risky. You see, the most successful businessmen are the people who have taken risks, albeit calculated. They call it, I took a calculated risk. No, 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 no. It was not a calculated risk. It was a risk. There's nothing called a calculated risk. See, all people who succeeded, and, and by the way, faith is a risk, big risk. So look at what Mordecai says. And when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Don't think death will not come to you. You can be in the king's palace, you can be anywhere else, you will die. For sure. There is no safe zone. I mean, uh, there is no minimum guarantee. You know what is minimum guarantee? Death. There is minimum guarantee. For sure, one thing is for sure, we will all die. So he says, don't think that just because you are alone in the king, you will alone escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to your royal position for a, for, ah, let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters, maybe we are in this time, you know, we, we should have, we, could, we can say, oh, it was, it would have been great if I was in Jesus' time, I would have seen his miracles, maybe I should have been in Augustine's time, or maybe in during Martin Luther's time, no, 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 God has chosen you for such a time, and every time, is a time of risk. You should understand every time there was a reformation or a revival, there was a one man who took risks and he put his life on the line. You know what Esther said after this, after she heard this? You know what she said? Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. You see that? You will all die. And she says, okay, for such a time as this, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. There will always be risks. There will be always be risks when you are asked to give. Giving is a big risk. What if, Lord, I will not be provided? And God may not provide for that month. Hmm? God, what will happen if I this, if I just make this decision? What will happen? It's too much of a risk. God will say, yes, I will. Can you imagine, Elijah? Like three and a half uh, years, according to my word, it's not going to be rain. That means what? Famine. Very big risk. He will also be affected by the famine. Now, uh, Elijah was for three and a half years and his, uh, so his, his disciple was who? Elisha. And how much did he receive? Double portion anointing. And how many years of famine did he experience? If Elijah was three and a half years, Elisha was seven years. <laughs> okay. So the greater the anointing, the greater the risk. Seven years famine. If you read the account in Second Kings, you will know. So there is always risk. When you take a leap for God, there is always risk. Without risk, there is no walk of faith. 
Giving away money is risk. But you know what it says? So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. This is Luke's Gospel chapter 16. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of the light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous manner that when you fail, they may receive you in everlasting home. Another translation will say, and when it fails, mammon fails, they will receive you in eternal dwellings. Another translation will say, when it is gone, when it is gone, and for sure, if you hoard money, it will go. Who said that? Solomon said it. Proverbs chapter 23. And for many of us, we can relate it very well. Okay. Do not overwork to be rich. Okay. This is what we call as overtime. In other words. Okay. Overtime, 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 overtime for, I know, you know, how people calculate their overtime. I hours, they just want to work for overtime, overtime, overtime. You know what he says? Because of your own understanding, cease. Stop, Baba. Think. This overtime will come at a price. I'm not saying that you should not do overtime. You know, a lot of lazy people are there in Christendom also. They will not do. They will only put pencil from here to there. That is my job. Okay. Hurry, put the eraser also. Oh, no. Extra work. Eraser. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's all. I mean, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. No, I'm, I'm actually downplaying. I hear this a lot. <laughs> Eraser also? No. So, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this, this craving for money. And you, you, sh- you should see how it is in the IT sector these days. People work overtime. They've already purchased two apartments, two plots. Two apartments or two plots or two cars. Everything is two now. Hum do, hamare do. Not, not children, but plots. And cars. Okay, so everything is two, 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 two. And what are they doing? They're forever praying of EMIs and for that, you know, God says, take it easy, cease. Cease, take it easy. Why? Will you set your eyes on what which is not? It is not. Say it is not. It is not. It is not there. <laughs> it's only an illusion. Why? For riches certainly make themselves, Are it is not may. It is certainly will make themselves wings. They will fly away like an eagle toward heaven. I mean, you should imagine with sound effects, no? It's gone. <laughs> okay. It says certainly make their... I'll tell you. Why? Because what is the silver and gold is? Whose? God's. You know, I remember once Pastor James talking about this, no? If a thief makes money, you know what God will ask him? How did my money enter into your pocket? How did it come into your pocket? Be sure. If it didn't come through my hands, it is certain it will have its wings and it will come back to me. Sure. So if you hold, big risk. And I remember a man of God, no? I mean, a Christian businessman. He used to give 50% of his money back, back to the church. And one day his business collapsed. And one, one guy came to him and I said, Why? You used to give a 50% of your wealth to the to, to the church, right? Didn't you think that was a waste? You know what he said? Brother, that is the only money I saved. That is the only money I saved. Huge risk. That is what the rich young ruler thought. Risk, Baba. I should give away everything. <laughs> Huge risk. Okay. Alright, let's move on. 
So let's come back to Second Kings chapter 7. So, they took this risk. When you take a risk, you know, God is no man's debtor. Say that. God is no man's debtor. You know, in fact, he says, if you show mercy to the poor, it is as if you have given God debt. And if you have given God debt, he is the one who started compound interest. It is just not compound interest, normal compound interest, it is exponential compound interest. If you know what I am talking about. One of the greatest inventions of the Jews is the principle of compound interest. <laughs> okay, it is not simple interest, it is compound interest. And if you give to the poor, God says you have given it to me. I am your debtor and God is no man's debtor. That is what he told Cyrus. Dig all that, that money is yours. Money is yours. I am no man's debtor. So, you take a risk for God. That's what, you know, Peter said, Lord, we left, you know, rich young ruler comes and says, you give up all your money and come and follow me. You know, God will not say any, those kinds of things to everybody. God will only say those kinds of people to people whom, whom they know that work is their worship. You know, we all believe that great uh, saying, no? Work is worship. You know, very interesting in Genesis chapter 4, if you remember carefully your scripture, Abel was a dash of the sheep, keeper of the sheep. Cain was a dash of the ground. Tiller is what you say. Actual work. Worker or worshipper of the ground. Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was the abad of the ground. Abad means worship. Worshipper. What did he worship? His work. And therefore he said, all this is mine. Little for God. Whereas Cain... Kept the sheep, worshipped who? God. And he, what he gave, gave to God? The firstborn, the best to God. What are you? A keeper or a worker? You know, for me it is, I was like that. Worker. Worship. Work. And God, you know what God said? You will leave everything and follow me. Lord, big risk. For you it is not a big risk. You come. If you be there, it is a risk. I, I remember, went uh, to my, recently I went to my mentor's place, no? He's still working in, uh, in, in the university, okay? And he is also has a house church. And when I looked at him, I looked at him, one thing, he was completely detached from his work. Completely detached. For, through all the conversation that he had, he was not even speaking about his work. He was only speaking about God. And I said, you know what? This man, God asked him not to leave. For me, I know what, it, what he asked me, to leave. For the rich young ruler, he said, leave. For, for Zacchaeus, he didn't say leave. For some people, even he may ask you to leave because that is what you are, what? Worshipping. Leave. Risk. That's what exactly Peter said. Lord, we have left father, mother. Ah, 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 ah. You have left father, mother, etc. You will receive everything with punishments or persecutions. More in this life and also Eternally. I am no man's debtor. Just because you have taken risk, don't, don't think that I am going to just leave you like that. <laughs> no way. You can never lose with God. Take it from me. You can never lose with God. So what happens? And they arose at the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they came to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. 
For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of the horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, what did they say? Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of Hittites and the kings of Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys and they fled for their lives. What an amazing miracle. You know, this, this is how God works in people's lives whose hearts are stayed on him. He keeps them in what peace? Perfect peace. Look at what these guys do. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some there also and went and hid it. It's like, you know, when you get your salvation, garments of righteousness, oh Lord, I enjoy this, Lord. I enjoy, enjoy. Go to another tent, enjoy, enjoy. It's like experience of salvation. They've experienced salvation. And you know what they said? And they said to one another, we are not doing the right thing. This is the day of what news? Good news. Gospel and blessing is just not for yourself. What should you do? You should not hide it. We should not remain silent. If we wait until this morning, like some punishment will come upon us. Therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. You know what it says in Romans chapter 1? This is what Paul says. I am a debtor. We are all debtors. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to be the gospel to you who are in Rome also. We are people who are sold out for the gospel. And we are people who are mission conscious. We are people who are sent or we people, or we are people who will send others. We are people who are sent or we are people who will send others into the mission field. We are a church. One of the things we need to understand, as a church, never forget, we are a people to not to keep all the blessings and the words that we have received for ourselves. It is for us to share it with others. Share it with others. That's what I tell Shrikant and all these people who help in during the, during the pastor's conference. I said, you think God is going to keep you in this pastor's conference, helping the, helping carrying everything all, all your life? You know what is going to happen to you? One day, God is going to call you out. He's going to fill you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, just like he did Stephen, and you will go and preach the gospel. You will go. It is just not for your enjoyment. It is just not for you to keep it. You are, you will be a people who will be sent, or you will be a people who are sending others into the mission field. That is the reason why when we send pastor, it is a tremendous joy for us. And when we see the fruit of his ministry, it should be a joy for us. You see those pictures? Amazing, isn't it? Powerful. So many people. Have you ever seen? I have never seen so many people in my life in listening intently. So we are a people who are a debtor to this world. We don't keep the gospels. And therefore this year, people, that's what pastor is saying. Believe that you will be used in your workplaces. Believe that you will be messengers in your workplaces. Believe that God will open doors for you to be able to share the word, the gospel with your bosses, with your managers, what have you. That God will give you opportunities. Don't just shorten God's hand in your life. And if you keep it for yourselves, you know what it will become? It will become a punishment. Gospel is just not for our enjoyment. It is for us to share it with others. So that's the reason why it says in Romans chapter 10 verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him and how can they believe in him if they never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them and so if somebody has to tell them what should we do and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent that is why the scripture says how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring what news good news 
See? This year, let us believe. I'm believing. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a rendezvous with my boss very soon. I mean, uh, we were not having common times. Pakka Brahmin. Okay. But I believe this time I'm going to go and show him the gospel and it is going to be, sir, repent or perish. Respectfully. See, it's going to be that. You see, God, you should search for opportunities to say. I remember one sister, this sister, uh, sister bringing two of her colleagues to the, to the Christmas uh, day meeting, no? And pastor was preaching the gospel and there was one of them was a non-Christian and she was squirming in a seat, getting angry. And I said, you know what? The person who's angry is actually receiving it. The gospel is those people who get offended are the people who got the message. You see? Okay, so let us believe that this year will just not be for ourselves. Lord, I want to have fruit in my ministry. You know, you should, you should, when I went to my brother, my mentor, no, what tremendous time we had, we were sharing all our experiences from those days. He mentored me, you know, he was the one who baptized me, mentored me, took me under his wings. And it was, it was an encouragement for him to see one person in all the people that he ministered to come back, come, coming back to him after 15 years and telling that, he, telling him that he was, I was a, he was a blessing to me. What a, it was a tremendous release in my spirit. You should see what, I mean, you don't have to take my word for it. You can ask my wife. What an amazing time we had together. You see, one man comes back and says, brother, it is just because of you I am here in the ministry. What an encouragement it is to see fruit. Do you want to see fruit? That your life will matter. That is the reason about Pastor was saying, you know, that day when you give into the ministry, you will find one person in heaven. Brother, you gave to the ministry and because of your giving, I'm here. I'm here. It is because of your giving. Be risk takers this year. Be flamboyant with your giving. Give generously. Give cheerfully. God loves her. And it is more. You see, it is blessed to give. Don't you want to enjoy that blessing? I want to. Fine, let's move on. Be risk takers. And don't keep blessings to yourself. Otherwise, it is unbelief. Let's move on. Don't say, you know what? Who will listen to me? I can't speak. I'm so timid. I don't know what to, what to say. You know? Those are the kinds of people God will use. Okay, You don't have to be articulate. Okay? You just have to be that one lame man. Remember how Spurgeon got converted? You know how Spurgeon got converted, right? Spurgeon was converted because the speaker who was supposed to be at the meeting wasn't there. And because of the heavy snowstorm. And one layman had to speak from the pulpit. So he came and started speaking from the pulpit. And he said, turn unto him all the ends of the world and be saved. Turn to him, turn to him. That's all he was repeating. Layman, he didn't prepare. And suddenly in comes Spurgeon. Turn unto him, turn unto him, turn unto him four times. Spurgeon is a little frustrated now. I, did I come to hear this? And then he looked at Spurgeon and he said, Young man, looked him up. You seem to be a little disturbed. Turn to him and be saved. At that time, the Spirit of God struck him and he got saved. And after, the rest is what we call as history. Because of one layman who was stuttering. Not articulate, not bright, not intelligent. 
doesn't have vakchaturyam. Hmm? He's able to speak. And God shut. That's the reason why he says, it's called the foolishness of what? Preaching. God demonstrates his power. Okay, let's move on. Let's look at another character. Let's move on. Second Kings chapter 7. So they went and called the gate, called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them saying, Second Kings chapter 7 verse 10 onwards, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there, not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact and the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king arose in the night and said to the servants, let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore they have gone out of the, of the camp to hide themselves in the field saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. In other words, it's a, it's a, it's a trap. Thank you. Voice of unbelief says it's a trap. Voice of belief will say it's an opportunity. How I know? Lot of people. I'm trapped in this marriage. I'm trapped with this manager. I'm trapped in this company. I'm trapped with my, with my parents. I'm trapped in GSS. I'm trapped volunteering in LHL. Oh, a lot of people, you know, they told me also to my face, you're trapped in GSDC. The pastor has trapped you. They put a bait and trapped you. It's a trap! Hmm. How do you see life? It's a trap. When you're chained, it's a trap. Look at Paul. Philippians chapter 1. But I want you to know. You know, Paul says, very many times, ignorant brethren, ignorant brethren, ignorant brethren. I don't want you to be ignorant brethren. Because there are Baptist brethren, there are Methodist brethren, there are CSI brethren, Lutheran brethren, Pentecostal brethren. In all these brethren, there are ignorant brethren. Okay? I don't, I want you to know, therefore, ignorant brethren, that the things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the what? For the furtherance of the gospel. What has happened to him? So that it has come evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see, everybody, you know, if you are chained to Apostle Paul, only two things can happen. You Either you will go to heaven or you will go to hell. Finish. There is no middle ground. Either you will be born again, repent of your sins and become a child of God or you will go to hell. Finished. Decided. Fate. It's like the ultimate. And you know what he says? But I want you to having, become confident. By my chains, people are confident. And that is what he tells Timothy. Timothy, let, don't be ashamed because of my chains. Don't be ashamed because of my suffering. Endure hardship as discipline. Look at him. Look at him. He was, he's trapped in a prison. You know what he does? Philemon, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom have begotten while in chains. <laughs> Can you believe that? He gave birth to somebody while he was in chains. Spiritually. Do you see opportunity? 
Or do you see a trap? It's a trap. It's a trap. Look at what he, look at his attitude, okay? Acts chapter 21. Look at what he says. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews of Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. In other words, it's a trap. You know what Paul says? Now when he heard these things, both we and those from the place pleaded with him and not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. This is an opportunity, don't you see? It's not a trap. So when he would not be persuaded, we see saying, let the will of God be done. You know, everybody thought the the powers of darkness thought that the cross was a trap. They thought it was a trap. But look at what it says in Second Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. However, when we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, they thought this is a Trap. But Christ thought it as a what? Opportunity. To deliver the entire world through what people thought it was a trap. But don't say, if you're an unbeliever, if you're a believer, don't say, uh, I, there's an unbeliever over there and don't get married to her or him. That is a definitely a trap. Okay? You'd be very discerning. You know, one of the things I don't realize, I don't, I can't understand. I just can't understand how a believer can fall in love with an unbeliever. I don't understand that. I can't. I, I, I just can't. What, what did you get attracted to? Beauty? Brains? Salary? What did you get attracted to? What did you see in that person? Did you see Christ? And if you, if there is no Christ, how can you get even attracted to that person? How is it possible? I mean, I, I just can't understand how people can fall in love. I mean, they literally fell. It's a fall, for sure. And that fall might prove costly in your life. You see, there are a lot of traps. Those traps you avoid. Don't say, I'm going to convert that person. No, you will never convert. You will be converted, for sure. I've seen that most of the times. Ultimately, when one person in the family will marry an unbeliever and finally that unbeliever has made this believer unbeliever. See? Very important to understand. There are traps. Proverbs chapter 1. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of a bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. You see? You need to understand, these are all traps that the enemy sets. I'm not talking about those traps. The traps that you think that God has, that which God has ordained, like in Acts chapter 16. They are in the prison, they're trapped by chains, but actually free in their hearts. See opportunity, don't see traps. Don't just leave companies for a better salary. I mean, I'm, saying, I'm not saying that you should look for, a, you should not look for a better salary. No, no, no I'm not saying, not saying that at all. I'm not saying, you know, one man, one boy, one guy whom I met during my trip, he said, he said, you know, I heard one man of God say, aim for the highest paying job, aim for the highest degree, and when God calls you, leave everything and come. Okay? 
Aim for the highest thing. But you see, what did the king look? He looked at it as a trap. How did the king reach this point? I want to know. How did the king reach this point? How did the king reach this point? The clue is given in the same chapter in verse 2. Then the captain, on whose hand the king leaned, said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Question is, whose hands or arms are you leaning on? What are the voices that you are leaning on to? Are those voices which increase your faith or are those voices which defeat faith? I know, I have to tell you from my experience, okay? You should, you should, you should know what my mindset was. You know, this is something which is close to my heart. When I was actually working, you know, those days, my objective was, Lord, I should work and I should uh, support myself and I should do the ministry because that's what my mentor taught me. Shibu, you know? Shibu taught me. You work, Vijay, we should work. We should never be dependent on others. We should not become a burden to the church. Okay? This is his, his which is fantastic. I said, I Lord, I will also work. And I told pastor also. I said, pastor, I am not taking a salary. I am not taking any offering. I will work, support myself and do the ministry. So, but you know, God had different plans for me. I, I couldn't stop that, no? Things have happened. I know what, you know, was a specific plan over my life. And when I answered that call, I wanted to inform Shibu, okay, because he was my mentor, no? I called him up one day and I said, Shibu, no, God called me to full-time ministry. I know his answer was nonchalant. I was a little scared, no? His answer was, oh, is it? And then immediately he sent me one Zakunan's message about how to finish your race, etc. And I was like a little worried. I hope he took it rightly because he was the one who taught us support yourself and do the ministry. I don't know how he took it. I was so worried. I was really, really worried, no? But I just left it. I didn't persuade that trajectory anymore. But recently we went to, went for our vacation, okay, year in vacation and we happened and the last day of the trip to meet, we just said, Shibana, we want to come over and we went to his house. He's a professor in uh, Bitsplani in Goa campus. Um, he's doing extremely well, okay, and he has a house church. Alright, he's got a church right on campus, house church, and he ministers to a lot of people in Goa, in campus also. So went and I was waiting for him. We had we had lunch, and then you know, with my heart in my mouth, I had to tell him the my my um, uh, my testimony. You know, when Pastor told me a long time back, Vijay, whenever God does something to you, don't share it with people who will dilute your faith. You know, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was so excited, and I went and told somebody, you know, close to me, I said, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that person said, there is nothing called baptism of the Holy Spirit. Finished, just gone. Okay, gone. I'm now, now I'm like, you know, this is, don't tell people who will, you know, who will discourage you. I was like really scared how Shibu will react. No, Shibu was respond. How will he respond? And we were sitting around the table and we were having this discussion, okay. And I told him, Anna, Shibu, Anna, this is what happened. You know, we shared a lot of things and God called me into full-time ministry and I was struggling with it. And I told him John's Gospel chapter 4 when I was asking God for four months, Lord, four months, Lord. Four, four months, okay. Four months and I didn't make my decision. And I was reading John's Gospel chapter 4 as my daily reading. And John's Gospel chapter 4, verse 31 will say, don't say there are four months, okay. Four months for the harvest because the harvest was already here. I was shocked and I closed my book and I said, I don't want to read it, no? And then I went and told Pastor, Pastor, what does it mean? He looked at me and he said, if you don't answer God's call, somebody will run with your crown. What do you want? 
I am very competitive. No, nobody should run with my crown. So, <laughs> so, so I am very. <laughs> so I said, okay, okay, no, I am going to answer this. So I was just waiting for Shibu's response when we, I would say this to him. Okay, Shibu looked at me. You know, he had a smile on his face, and he said, Vijay, the first thing I want to ask you: Did your wife quit her job after she came into after you came into full time ministry? I said, yes. Good. First question. Second. Two things I'll tell you. Watch your life. Watch your doctrine. Okay? You know what he did? He prayed for me. He gave me an offering. He told you it is for your children, of course. No? He gave me an offering, blessed me and sent me. You know, it was like I had tears in my eyes. And he prayed for me. He said, Lord, you know, you know, he made one, one line. Lord, give him the heart of a shepherd. You know where I heard this? In whose prayer? Pastor James's prayer. Lord, give him the heart of a shepherd. Same prayer, confirmation from God. Two of my mentors released me. I felt a release in my spirit. You know why? Because I was leaning on the arms of a man who would enrich my faith. And establish me and not bring me down. Whose voices are you listening to? Whose voices? Voices of belief or voices of unbelief? That is how this king reached this point. You know why? Because he was leaning on the arms of a man who will always doubt the word of God and not establish him. Pin drop silence, right? Good. You know, it was a tremendous blessing, okay? It was when I came back, I was, had a smile on my face. And I, it was like, my wife was shocked to see Shibu and his wife. Absolutely hospitable and, and so welcoming, so encouraging. The prayer was like awesome. I mean, this is only for me, okay? It was tremendous. It was such a, such a fantastic, fantastic meeting, you know, because you know what, right from the time, I, I'll tell you something, choose your mentors correctly, it'll be a game changer in your life. Choose your mentors, people who will encourage you to do the things of God, not people who will pull you down, who will put doubts in your mind. That is the reason why, you know what it says, Galatians chapter 3, does he who supply the spirit to you, you want the supply of the spirit, you want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life and works miracles among you, does so by the works of the law or by the what of the faith? By the hearing of the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing an anointed word from an anointed man. It comes from there. Choose people who will encourage and speak into your life words of encouragement and who will uphold you and uplift you and edify you, not bring you down. See? Understand? That is the reason why we come and gather together. You know why we gather together? I'll tell you why we gather. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meeting together as it is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And what is happening? People get diverted from the church. They are not a part of the church. They are doing their own thing. And they are running 
on fumes. They're thinking that God called them. You know, one man went to the church and he was speaking, speaking, speaking. It was a black preacher, a black, uh, uh, it was a predominantly black congregation and it had a black pastor. And after the, after the preaching was over, you know what the man, man of God said? Son, was you sent or was you just went? See? A lot of people are not sent. And they think that they're doing ministry. Not a part of a congregation. They're all loose electrons. See, God is not going to do anything outside the church. Get it straight in your heads. Okay. I'm not talking about any church. A church where there's the authentic preaching of the word of God. Okay, so that is how he reached. Because he listened to voices of unbelief. That is how we reach there. How else did he reach that point? I want to look at this, this king's history, okay? When the king heard the words of the woman, no, let me tell you what is happening over here. Last point, few, few more minutes, just be patient with me, finish, before I finish. The, what is happening? The context is very interesting. Samaria is being sieged by the Syrians. And what is happening? There's a fam- famine in the land, you know, when this, they cut off all the supplies, right? And what is happening? A donkey's head was being sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of pigeon poop was being sold for five pieces of silver. And one woman was crying to the king, King, help! King said, what help? Can't help. And she said, what is the problem? He said, you know, yesterday this woman and I, I, we had a fighting. Um, I mean, we had an agreement. Today, we will boil my son and eat. Okay? Tomorrow, we will boil your son and eat. So today, yesterday, I boiled my son and we ate. And today she is refusing to boil her son and she has hidden the son. And the king is really upset. He tears his garments and he's putting sackcloth as if he's mourning. And this is what happens. When the king heard these words from the woman, he tore his clothes now. He was passing by on the wall and the people looked and behold, he had a sackcloth beneath his body. It was all superficial. No genuine conviction. I'll tell you what. How do I know that this is not genuine conviction? I'll tell you how it is. How I know this is not genuine conviction. Look at the next verse. And he said, May God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha and the son of Shaphat remains on his shoulders today. In other words, who's the problem? Who's the cause for all this problem? That fellow. You know something? I think Desiring God website, John Piper said, lot of people in Christianity suffer from a syndrome called adultolescence. They're adolescents in adult bodies. They're 40 year old adolescents. They have never grown up. They never take responsibility for their actions. Who is the problem? That fellow is the problem. Who is the problem? My teacher is the problem. My parents is the problem. My mentor is the problem. My te- uh, my my brother is the problem. My pastor is the problem. My shepherd is the problem. Everybody except you. You know when you have, when when you know you know when you have actually come of age when you actually take responsibility. That is when you know that you have really come of age. A lot of people in Christendom never grow up. You know why? Because they're already point, always pointing fingers at others. Never on themselves. Own up. Take responsibility this year. Otherwise, no double portion. No spirit. God is not going to anoint a bunch of adolescents. For sure. Christianity, you know, like, remember, uh, in marriage, it's this has to be entered into very wisely and not inadvisedly, right? Because it's a covenant. And what happens? In most marriages, 
two children get married. And they have children who are actually adults. And they see the problem. Never take responsibility for their actions. Everybody, somebody else is the problem all the time. And you know what they do? They hide by pointing fingers at others. That is the reason why Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13. Whoever, read that, conceals their sins does not prosper, but one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That is how this king reached this point, leaning on the arms of people who edified their unbelief and not their faith. That is the reason why Jude will say, let us contend for the faith which is once and for all delivered to us. Fight for it. You have to fight for it every day of your life. Things are not going to happen easily. What happens then? Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a say of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two sayers of the barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, the promise of this year will come to pass. Will come to pass. But you know what will happen to the guy who rejected the promise? You know what happens? Now the king had appointed the captain. <laughs> Look at this fellow who never believed. Appointed the captain to whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate and the people trampled him in the gate so that he died as the man of God had said when he, when the king came down to him. For when the man of God had said to the king, two seers of barley shall be sold for a shekel and a seer of the fine floor for a shekel about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. And what happened to this fellow? And the captain had answered the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. And so it happened to him but the people trampled him in the gate and he died. So the question is, what are you today? What are you today? Are you the king who leaned on the voice of unbelief? Or are you the captain who spoke words of unbelief? Who's your captain? (laughs) You see, in every team, it is the captain who makes the decisions. Who's your captain? Can you imagine if you're going to war, if you're going to a cricket match and your captain says, Boys, Virat Kohli, Nayopaiga, Ram Ram Satte. Can you imagine if you have a captain like that? Choose your captains wisely. In any, in, will anyone in the world appoint a negative guy as a captain? Let me tell you something. If you are a negative, God will never make you a leader. Never. Forget about it. You will never be a leader. Complainers and grumblers will not be leaders. Period. People who see opportunity. People who see opportunity and not a trap. Or are you a leper who risked everything and became bearers of good news? Or are you better than that? Are you Elisha, the son of Shaphat? You know what? Elisha, the son of Shaphat means? Elisha means Yahweh. God is my salvation. Son of Shaphat. You know what son of Shaphat means? Son of a man. Shaphat means judge. A man who judges himself every day. That is the reason why it says, a spiritual man judges all things and he himself will never be judged. And he will always have the anointing of God over his life. And he will always speak the word of God. And whatever he speaks, one, not one word will come to pass. Will, will fall to the ground. Everything will come to pass. What do you want? That is the reason why it says in Corinthians, we believe and therefore we speak. So words of encouragement this year. So words of, not of discord. Stop hearing to trash 
gossip. Let me tell you, if you hear gossip, one day somebody will gossip about you. Period. It's going to happen. What you sow, you will reap. That is the first thing you will read when you uh, read the, the first, I mean, the first chapter of Genesis. You know what it will say? Every tree according to its, according to its kind. Mangoes will beget mangoes. Seed mein sab kuch hai. So what are you today? It's unbelievable unbelief otherwise. God has spoken. Are we ready? Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you for this day. Father, we want to be people who will be encouragers. We want to be like Barnabas, son of encouragement. Who will see the positives in others. And when even when they rebuke or correct, they will rebuke or correct with love. And Lord, let this be the year where we will severely judge ourselves. That we will be bearers of your anointing. And we will be vessels of honor. Ready for the master's use. To that end I pray that you would anoint us, bless us, and send us into your vineyard. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.